We're momming today with Lee Woodruff, mom of four, author, PR expert, and wife of ABC anchor Bob Woodruff, um, who was hit by a roadside bomb covering the war in Iraq back in 2006. Uh, Lee, welcome. Welcome, welcome. I've been thinking about your husband's story a little bit more now because of the war uh, in Ukraine and what happened to Fox's Benjamin Hall, and it kind of just brings back that experience all over again, and, and I'm sure it does for you, too. It, it very much does. And it's interesting. I was connected to his wife, and I think I can say that. Um, just privately, she and I had a conversation, and it was, um, you know, just heartbreaking. It was a little bit reopening that box for me because it was almost 16 years ago. And just thinking about what she and her kids and their extended family are going through and all of that, it was really sobering. And just a reminder of, you know, you're a journalist, the ways in which people are willing to put themselves in harm's way to be able to bring us the story. I think that uh, there's a lot of journalists get a lot of bad rap today, but it's a reminder that that's that freedom isn't free. No, no, it, it isn't. And what I've found, I mean, you have a foundation, the Bob Woodruff Foundation. You've, I think, gotten 80 million in grants in the past 15 or so years. You took this experience that the world saw and you realized you were fortunate in that you had this this global audience, this global support system that veterans didn't have, for instance. And I think that's how your foundation started, because you were so aware of how fortunate you were. That's right. We were in, uh, Bob was brought first to Longstuhl in Germany and then back to Bethesda Naval Hospital, where at the time that's where most of the head injuries and traumatic brain injuries were going. And in that hospital, first of all, we got a, a stupid amount of attention for, for Bob's injury, you know, just because he was somebody that was in people's living rooms and people knew. So outsized compared to the young men and women that were in the hospital beds or on that floor around us. And Bob and or Bob's brothers, rather, his three brothers and I said, you know, if Bob comes out of this and he was in a, in a coma for 36 days. So we really didn't know what what he was going to be like, if he would ever return to work. The, uh, the odds were no, um, you know, which he completely beat. But we said if if we if he comes out of this and I'm not, you know, taking care of a completely disabled husband, we have to do something because look at all of these young kids around us and they don't have the resources that. Um, you know, ABC News and Disney have given to us when they get home. Now, everybody got the same incredible care in the hospital, but it was when everybody got home back to their own, you know, hometowns that it was a very asymmetric sense of who got all the resources to recover. So that was our commitment to found the, the to create the foundation. But, but, but it was just the fact that you were so aware of all of that really touches my heart. And, I, and I'm sure to, to everybody that you've helped in the past uh, 15 years. You've written about this. I, I was trying to count the number of books, Lee, that you've actually written I, on being 40-ish in an instant, recovering from brain injuries, perfectly imperfect. What else? Well, you're you're giving me, uh, yeah, you're you're giving me a little more credit. I think I just did an essay in the on being forty-ish. That's actually a great book. There are a lot of great contributors. Um, my, I have one novel and two nonfictions, and you've gotten it all. So don't make don't make my head any bigger than it already is, my friend. Um, okay, but you had a husband that you had to care for, and you have four children and a career. So yeah, I mean, I don't have a novel or two nonfictions, <laughs> and I only have three kids. 
<laughs> well, you're going on the air every day. I have been able to, I was like, everybody's working from home now and sort of gig economy, but I was lucky enough to do that 31 years ago when my first uh, oh, child was born. So I kind of had this work at home. Nobody could figure me out because I would show up and pick up in yoga pants, or I might show up in like full makeup from the set of Good Morning America or CBS <laughs> this morning. They'd be like, what? Like, what's going on with her? Okay, that, but, is, to- um, that is totally me, by the way, because I do school pickup as much as I can. And I'm in sweatpants, but with full makeup and hair yeah. and people and lashes, looking. right? Yeah. Like well, major I, lashes. Yeah. They just look at me so funny because they're like, hmm, does she do that? I mean, clearly she's not coming straight from work because she's in like house clothes. But does she do her makeup every day? And I see people yeah. looking at me like that side eye. And then I you, you have know, to look at them and say, I do this for pickup because I care about myself. <laughs> That's what you have to say. <laughs> I try to make them feel better. And I say, I don't look like this on Saturday morning. Um, I just really didn't have time or the patience to take it all off. And you are okay not having makeup on because that's normal. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And by the way, people need to understand just how much time it does take to take it off appropriately. More than it takes to put on. Jeez. Yeah. All right. Um, So, well... (laughs) Can we talk about on being 40-ish? Because that, you, I think, what, 15 women captured what it was like to get older because I'm now in my 40s. I remember this experience, uh, the, the transition into, you know, turning 39 yeah. to 40. Yeah. What would your advice be to younger women who are scared of this milestone? Ooh. Well, first of all, I think it's the new 30 or even 25. Because yeah, 25 <laughs> I'd go with. We're, yeah. I actually think that my 40s, other than having my husband injured in my 40s, that's like the golden decade. And 50s are pretty darn good, too. And and so far, the 60s aren't really, you know, ending up too bad. But things happen in your 60s. You see it around you. Hopefully you don't. But um, I think 40s is where a woman is physically like at her peak in a way of owning her body accepting her body, understanding how to wear clothes that make her feel beautiful one day, how to not care another day, as we just sort of talked about. And I also think it's sort of the fulcrum between knowing exactly who you are and what you want, and more importantly, what you don't want. And I also believe that that's the decade when I started learning how to say no without guilt. Okay, I want examples on that. And we'll get there when we're momming today. Uh, Returns right after this. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. We're back on We're Momming today with Lee Woodruff talking about the 40 being the golden decade. And um, I, I think what I heard you saying just moments ago was, and this is true for me, 40s is when you I just stop caring. You really you have enough confidence <laughs> in who you are that you just don't care. You don't care what people think and you're kind of okay if you like say no to something or whatever. But you were just talking about the saying no. What did you start saying no to? Well, you know how we just talked about school pickup and stuff and you show up and then people want you to run like the pie walk, cake walk, whatever. <laughs> can you do this or can you just do that? And you can. But then there's a little bit of resentment, right? (laughs) And then maybe you're squeezing stuff out of that toothpaste tube if you're a working mom where, you know, you're adding something to your plate, but you feel like you should. And I felt like the 40s was the time when I could stop feeling the should and starting starting to feel like you're good. 
And you don't have to explain, well, the reason I'm going to say no is that I'm already doing this and I have a foundation and I'm working. It's like, oof, you know, <laughs> don't over explain. Just say, you know what? I am going to say no. And I have a lot on my plate right now. And I'm so grateful that you asked, but this is just not the right time. And then being able to put a period on that and use that time to do what it is that you want to do or lean into these amazing children that you gave birth to as a mom. And you're always feeling like you're never giving them enough or, you know, when you are giving them everything, like you're in the car and you're on the way to soccer and you're expecting one of these incredible car talks where they talk about the philosophy of life and that doesn't happen. And you're grading yourself as a D minus because your girlfriend was bragging about how all her kids talk in the car and yours doesn't. So <laughs> giving yourself the grace of time when you're not doing the thing. And, and the last thing I'll say about the 40s that it was the other big revelation for me was there's no balance. Like, why are all these women talking about work-life balance? What a joke. So I started saying to myself, okay, today was a great work day. Today you did really great stuff for your career, but you kind of sucked as a mom <laughs> because you missed the field trip and that's okay. You can today have been a great person career-wise and maybe not done everything you want to do as a mom, but it's really about the long game. Or what about when you're feeling really guilty that you have to work late, like really late that night? It's so much easier than yeah. going home and, and cooking so dinner and doing much. bath time. <laughs> hey, the moms that are working on the home front, I have said all my life, have a much harder job than I do. Even uh, though toggling and the stress of deadlines with family, there's no question. I'm not going to say it's not stressful, but I think that's a harder job. I think you're right, though. There is no balance. And I my my stay at home mom friends, I tell them all the time. I'm like, you have no relief. You have no outlet. I do. Yeah. It might be harder yeah. what I'm doing doing both, but it's, it's not relentless. No. And here's the other thing that they don't have. And I respect this so much. They don't have an outside input. So they don't have a news director saying, Hey, that was an awesome, Hey, great story. Or what was that little pat on the back? Like we all need to get every now and then a little bit of attaboys and you will not get that, especially if you're a mother of girls, you will <laughs> not get that for many, many years and it will come and it's lovely and it's wonderful. But I used to describe my daughter in her teen years, my oldest daughter, who's now 28 as walking in the door from school and taking a giant poop on the kitchen floor and then walking upstairs. And I would look at that <laughs> theoretical poop, figurative poop and think, okay, somewhere in here is a compliment. And I think somewhere. the compliment is that she's so comfortable at home being able to be her real self after she's been her lovely friend to everybody with all those adolescent pressures all day that she can come home and just feel like she can just let all that down. But then there was also a point at which I would march upstairs and say, I am your mother, but I'm also a human being. So I understand that you're upset, but I would, you know, you need to respect that. I also have feelings and this isn't fun for me. So that's a hard did job. If no one that? is saying did she, she did hear that, okay. we laugh about it now. And I'm here to tell you and all the other incredible moms out there that these really hard years and especially the, the dull cutting of the umbilical cord with a butter knife, as I called it, <laughs> with girls, um, it does change and it's lovely. Okay. I just did um, an eight day vacation with my kids. Um, Eight days is a long time when there's just the yeah. beach and the pool and they're young children. So they need like constant, you know, activity. a lot. Yeah, um, that's not a vacation, it, by the way. I'm going to rename that. Yeah, no, we need a vacation from from the trip. Yeah. We'll call it a trip. Um, yeah. But I said to my husband a couple of times, I said, well, yeah, I, I, under I understand children are going to act up. But last I checked, we're solid parents. We're constantly, you know, making sure that they're res respectful and have manners and 
And then we see these this behavior. Like, where does it come from? What do you do when you have those moments when you're you're looking at your children and you just say, I did not teach you to act like that. How do I change this path that you're on? Those are hard moments because we both have authority and lack authority in, in, in some of those certain years. You know, we're the people that they think they can't we can't possibly understand because we were never young or when we were young, there were dinosaurs and wooden teeth and all the other things that you know existed. I think you stay the course. I think you keep doing and saying what you're saying. It's definitely getting in there. Trust me, they're going to start sounding like you at some point, like those progressive commercials, like where you ultimately do become your parents and it all gets in there. One of the most underestimated tips of child rearing, I think, is that they really do want boundaries. They want to know where the line is. They want to be corrected. They're always going to test the line with those things. But you are going to be so bored with yourself for saying the same things over and over again. But that is the job of a parent. Mm. We spoke about the decade of the 40s. What are the 50s like? (laughs) Well, I had a pretty darn good time in my 50s, too. I I think each decade, it's probably going to start getting worse for me. um, (laughs) But each each decade (laughs) has definitely had its own gifts. I mean, then I think you get to a decade where you're like bent over with osteoporosis and, you know, everybody pushes you out of the way or something. And that's probably coming at some point. But what's been so interesting is how adaptable we are as as human beings. We move into the next decade and we make the small allowances that need to be made for creaky knees or, you know, I can no longer run because that's not good for my body, but I can walk and I'm loving that. And we're really, really an adaptable species, I have to say. What are, what are your kids doing now? Like, as you kind of look back and you said your oldest is 28, how old is your youngest? Well, my oldest is my only son. He's 31. Oh, I'm sorry. Left. Your oldest daughter no. is 28. And my oldest daughter's 28 and the twins are graduating from college. So they're both, they just turned 22. Wait, wait, hold on, homie. I know I asked you a question, but you had two children and then you had twins? I did. Yeah. Well, you know, you go for a third and whoops. That was our worst nightmare. We went for a third and my husband's like, if it's twins, I'm moving out. (laughs) Let me just say it's hard to get a reservation for six people for dinner. It really is. So think about it out there if you are contemplating that third, because there's a big difference between a reservation for four um, and and six. six. Yeah. Okay. sorry. Continue. I didn't I didn't realize that your youngest were twins. They are. Yeah. And they're just they are the light of my life. There's a six year gap between the the team A and team B, as Bob calls them. But I was such a better parent with team B because I was a little less <laughs> like with. Well, with the first first one, you think it's never going to end. Right. You're like, oh, my God, I'll never brush my teeth again. Like, how do I do this? And then you figure that out and you figure it out with the second. But by the time they came along, it was like, oh, all right, you're going to be out tonight. I'll be asleep. You know, wake me up if you're in a car accident. And you you also realize how fast it goes. So you can relax about, you know, some of those crazy little things because you can enjoy it more. But 31-year-old boy is kind of following in dad's footsteps, but on the other side of the camera. So they... Um, They did a show together for Disney Plus called Rogue Trip, which is an awesome father-son travel show to countries that we don't think of as places you'd visit for vacation. Like? uh, Like Pakistan, like um, uh, Colombia in the former drug lord region. And and amazingly, like Ukraine was the last episode, believe it or not. So if you want to see Ukraine in a beautiful setting before the war. Yeah, that was the last episode. And our daughter 
went with them, our 28 year old. But he did, Mac decided that he loved this work, but did not, even though he's on camera in the show, he wanted to take the the other side. So he's got a documentary and film and you know photography business, and you can see him on Instagram at Mac Woodruff. Kath is running a startup with um, a soap that's biodegradable and good for the planet. And the twins will get out if of college this May, and each of them has jobs in New York, if you can imagine, in the finance and consulting arena. So. Um, Looking forward to not paying tuition after having poor kids go through college. Job well done, Mom. I mean, wow. Wow. And I just saw a special that Bob did actually on the fentanyl crisis. Oh, he just got back from Mexico City late last night, finishing up for part three. What a sobering thing that is. Um, And talk about ripping a family apart. Such a sad epidemic. And to to slightly pivot here, my children are young, as I mentioned a few times, but I, I, I worry about their teen years. Yeah. Because Here, right now, I mean, you can take a, I mean, I hope they don't do any drugs, but mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot of innocent kids think they're taking, they're popping a Xanax and it's laced with fentanyl and then you're, it's your, it's the family's worst nightmare. Oh yeah. And Bob has been the last month or so just reporting out on that. It's really, it's, I've watched him come home kind of like, oh my gosh, because you're kind of really never done as a parent. Right. And I, I don't mean to say that as a, everybody should never let their shoulders down again. But I think for those years that you're talking about just reinforcing the stories, but not being dogmatic about it, but just the, I think some of the greatest lines that I ever said to my kids were things like, um, you know, you always need to tell me the truth, because if you don't tell me the truth, I will find out and it'll be way worse. If you tell me the truth, we can deal with it together. It doesn't mean that there won't be a punishment, but it will be a lot less punitive than, you know, trying to hide something from me. So that's less about drugs and rather yeah. than it is like the part. I also made them believe, by the way, and use this, that every mother of their friends, we all had a secret motherhood like connection and text thread and that anybody that was having a party or doing anything when I was out of town for work, we were all telling each other. So you better not do that. It didn't work a hundred percent. Just so you know, someone will have a party in your house when you're not there, but hopefully you'll have enough of a network to help that. It's just reinforcing the stories without sounding like a grandma and it's continuing to hold the line, but being empathetic to them, not like, don't you ever do drugs, but honey, it scares me so much today because it's so different than even what it used to be that what's out there right now can literally kill you without you even knowing what you're taking. And there's a fine line there, right? Cause they don't really want to hear from us, but they do, they are listening. And they want boundaries to quote you from earlier. Totally want boundaries. They may not act like it, but they really want you. And sometimes also, of course, and you already know this one, having a secret word or a code so that if your child is at a party and they don't feel comfortable and they're calling you and they can totally blame you on my mother's making me come home right now or it's a sleepover and somebody's doing something that they're not ready to do or don't want to do. So being able to show them that you're their ally. It was so good to talk to you, Lee. Right back at you. I feel like we're just having a glass of white wine. Only That's exactly how it feels. And we've never met. Um, No. I, you that's know, what moms do, though. That's what, <laughs> that's what busy moms do. It's kind of like yeah. a secret code. <laughs> yes. There's no balance. Is. We mess up. We have. What did you say before? We have really sucky days and then we ace on other days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So celebrate which day you were doing <laughs> because at the end of the day, you're being graded on just being a mom and your kids are going to love you no matter what. Thank you, Lee. Thank you.
Kudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Kudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.